This is the Portside Pod, the official podcast of the Stockton Ports. I'm the voice of the Ports, Alex Jensen, and on today's episode, A's beat writer for MLB.com, Martin Gallegos, joins the show to discuss the big league club, his story on Stockton native Dallas Braden, and the prospects of a 2020 Major League season. During these trying times, Chase Chevrolet is still open and here to serve you. With their Easy Pass service, you can shop online and have your new pre-owned vehicle delivered right to your door. Learn more at chasechevrolet.com slash easypass. A guy all A's fans should be following joins us now on the Portside Pod, Martin Gallegos. Covers the A's for MLB.com, and he's uh, kind enough to take some time out of his day. Martin, the last time I saw you, I think it was like the day before everything shut down at spring training. Uh, how you been, man, first of all, and what have you been doing to keep busy? Yeah, thanks for having me, Alex. I've been good, just, uh, you know, trying to stay safe like everyone else. Um, really haven't been doing too much. I mean, with the shelter in place here in California, we've all, I think, all been on the same page here in terms of just uh, being home, watching Netflix, uh, you know, Playing MLB the show that's actually been pretty fun on on, on the PS4 that's that's been kind of keeping me sane uh, you know trying to find ways to uh, get outside safely um, you know taking some walks taking some hikes and trying to you know maintain distance from people which can be difficult at times but um, kind of the same same normal it's been kind of the same normal routine since that last day in spring training which was kind of bizarre I mean we, we were all out there and and they were putting in kind of those restrictions already about you know media not having access to clubhouses anymore and and I think even then we had no idea you know what this all was going to turn into but um, kind of a strange turn of events that's gone on since then but you know just trying to make the best of it and hoping baseball comes back here pretty soon yeah we all are I mean it's so weird I mean it's the end of May we're used to going to the ballpark every day and and here we are you know and obviously like you said the, the First and foremost, everyone, you want to make sure everyone's healthy and that we're following the protocols, but it's just, it's especially with the sunshine, you know, it is nice to get outside, but it's so weird because the weather here in the Bay Area has been, you know, baseball weather for the better part of a month and a half now. Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, this weekend, it's supposed to be like 90s, I think, up here. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough not to, uh, not to have, you know, those days where you can go out to the ballpark on a, on a sunny, sunny afternoon and then uh, take in taking some action but you know hopefully those days are ahead of us here pretty soon because if not you know we're all we're already going crazy so you know that could bring some normalcy to our lives which would be nice hey, you mentioned the you know the, the media <coughs> rules that they came out with I think a couple of days before the the shutdown of of the sport occurred where you know you obviously media members wouldn't be allowed in the clubhouse uh, you'd have to basically conduct everything right outside the clubhouse and there were some other rules in there too Assuming those were in place for the season, Martin, how would that affect your job? Uh, it would certainly be different. I mean, for all of us, we're all used to being in the clubhouse every day, um, you know, hours before the game, talking to guys, just having normal conversations. And it seems like that aspect would be pretty much eliminated for who knows how long, um, post-game and pre-game. I, what I've heard is it would be more, you know, they would get players for us and, and, and whoever we need pretty much via like zoom conference calls and stuff like that. So, I mean, it would be certainly be a, a whole lot different than what we're used to. Um, you know, at this point, I'm not even sure if we'll be allowed into the stadium. I mean, I, I think they'll allow a certain number of, of writers, but um, I think that's still up in the air in terms of how, how much access 
is available to us. You know, if they let, allow us to go into the stadium, you know, how do they separate us all and keep us at a distance? That's all stuff I think is being worked out. So, I mean, in terms of, in terms of you know, covering the game the, the way we're used to, it would change. Um, but I think we'd all try to make the best of it with the, with the uh, new guidelines in place for us to interview guys. You know, obviously it'd be tougher to get those more in-depth kind of exclusives because it seems like we'd all be doing kind of a group group uh reporting type thing here with with the with the games but i mean i think i don't think too many people would mind that i think everyone just wants to to read about you know games going on you know at this point in terms of you know the features and stuff and kind of wait until you know later on you know maybe you know in the year when when all that kind of returns to normal oh without a doubt i mean i think everyone just needs something uh to to you know get them through it sports fans in particular need something to get them through like new pro- program to get them through every single day and and yeah. uh i remember talking to vince catronio when this whole thing uh when, like we said the media rules came into play and I, I don't know how if this affects you and maybe you can comment on this but you know he mentioned from 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 his perspective as a broadcaster those kind of you know, those, those conversations that he has off the record with, with certain guys that kind of add some context to what he's talking about, or I guess in your case, writing about it. Is that something where, uh, you know, maybe that, you know, you lose a little bit of context to uh, not being able to talk to the guys just kind of off the record every single day? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there, there's, there's still ways to, to do it. I mean, if, if you're, if you've been around the team long enough and you've established some connections, I mean, maybe you can, you know, text a guy or call a guy and, 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 maybe they'll respond to you or, mm-hmm. or something like that. But um, it definitely makes it more difficult because a lot of those, a lot of that, those kind of, you know, little things that you find here and there come from those, you know, just normal conversations that are, you know, like set off the record that um, just kind of spur, spur ideas in your head. And maybe you'll go back to a guy the next day and be like, Hey, remember when we talked about the other thing you want to talk about a little more, that opportunity is kind of, you know, gone would be gone for now. Um, so that definitely changes that, that aspect of it for sure. You mentioned you've been playing the show. Uh, you got a, a, some buddies that play the show. You play them online? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm um, actually at MLB.com. Um, we, we started – the beat writers started like a 10-team league, and uh, we've been doing that. Each, each beat writer uses their own team, so I've been getting pretty good with the A's. Uh, it's been pretty, pretty fun uh, using them. They're actually pretty good in, in the game this year, so um, they're, they're a fun team to use. I'm glad I didn't get stuck with, uh, you know, another, you know, rebuilding team like the Tigers or something like that, you know. <laughs> So what what are the teams in the ten team league? Uh, let's see. So the Angels are in there. Uh, Twins, Pirates. I think Tampa Bay, uh, Dodgers, um, Cardinals, Indians. Uh, I don't remember who the team is. Uh, Nationals. Some, Nationals are in there. So okay. So there's some pretty good clubs in there. I mean, there's yeah. a whole lot of rebuilding. Teams. Yeah, for sure. How yeah. are you holding your own, man? How, how how's the how's the season going for Martins A's? So we, we the, that league has kind of hit a wall. We have, we haven't been playing lately. I've, I've, so I've been playing a lot of online just randomly with other teams. But in that league, I started out four and zero. So so I hadn't lost yet. I beat the Rays, which was kind of a kind of a payback for for all the A's fans with that heartbreak of the uh, wild card game. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> that was the last game I played, I think, against the Rays. And uh, we're all we're all we'll, we'll probably finish it here at some point here in the next. Uh, next month or so but um, it's been fun just just to get some kind of baseball fix you know well part of the reason for that sure is I'm sure is that it seems like things might start ramping back up I mean fingers crossed right Martin hopefully uh, it's, it sounds like you know Major League Baseball is is going to shoot for 
and you can correct me if I have this wrong, but you know, the first week of July around there for the start of the season, well, what's your gut feeling on 2020? I mean, are, do you think we'll see baseball? You know, I still think we will. And, you know, I'm obviously, I'm, you know, hopeful. And I think all along, I mean, even from when we, when this whole thing first started going on, I was still barely leaving Arizona. I think a lot of, a lot of people were kind of pegging um, <clears throat> the all-star break. It's kind of a, a realistic um, return for baseball. And I still think that might be a little too soon. I was thinking more like August and maybe that turned out to be the case, but I mean, if it's anything earlier than that, that'd be great. But, um, you know, I think, I think that's a good, good target. I mean, if you, if you were to, uh, you know, it seems like states are, are going to allow, you know, sports to be playing uh, without fans the first week of June, it seems like California for sure. Um, that would allow for, you know, teams to kind of do like a little spring training, two, three weeks. Um, it sounds like those would be more like more than likely than not in their own home ballparks instead of going back to Arizona or something like that, which would be, um, you know, obviously a more easier uh, access for, you know, a lot of players who have returned to the Bay area and stayed there. They don't have to travel. They can just stay at home and, and do their spring training there with their families and all that. And, uh, um, you know, you, you put together a little spring training like that. You could maybe hit middle of July, maybe around the all-star break. Like, like I was hearing before is, as kind of the start date for that. And what we're looking at, an 82 game season is that right with expanded playoffs and and kind of a, a rebuilt uh I, I guess three rebuilt leagues right if you will I mean all by you know geographic regions is that still in play yeah it sounds like it I mean that's from last thing I heard is, is that that's kind of what they were looking at and I mean that certainly would be unique I mean I think yeah you know it's not a, it's not a full season but it it has the potential to actually I think be kind of cool just something that you know we haven't seen in, in, in a long time and you get the universal DH and all that, the, the expanded rosters. It sounds like they would let, you know, up to 50 players almost on, on each team, um, which could allow for some, you know, maybe even seeing some prospects that you didn't expect up here and, and then another guys. Um, so it certainly would be different. Um, but you know what, and any, any type of baseball we'd get, I think everyone's going to be excited more than excited to watch. Yeah. I think we've all kind of learned to, throw our preferences out the window, right? I mean, anything we'll do right now. Hey, what's your take on the, the rules and regulations? I think it was a 67-page document that yeah. Major League Baseball handed over to the, to the players' union. There's, you know, I, I heard that the players, you know, may turn down or maybe already have not being able to shower at facilities, you know, certain things. What's your take on that 67-page uh, proposal by by Major League Baseball and, and what are some things and you know maybe some things in there that you think the players uh, might want change yeah well I think um, I mean a lot of that stuff is just you know things that are tough to break out of habit I mean these guys are, are creatures of habit especially those little things like giving each other high fives you know fist bumps I mean that stuff regardless of if it's restricted or not I think is going to happen even on accident at times you just can't prevent it um and, you know, I think it's important to remember that it's kind of still early in that process and there's probably going to be revisions to it. So some of the stuff yeah. you see on there right now might not be on there later. And, you know, some things might be added. So um, I think it's still kind of a fluid situation there. But um, I don't think it's any, there's anything in there really that would kind of be a deal breaker. I mean, I'm sure there's things that players would find annoying that, you know, wouldn't really want in there. But I don't think it would be anything – to the point where it would get them to say, you know, we're, we can't, you know, we can't play like this, you know, 
I think they'd be willing to kind of negotiate there and, and kind of find a middle ground with the with the restrictions there. And then I think when, once the final revisions are out, I think it'll be more of a I think it'll make a little bit more sense. I think a lot of people were kind of you know surprised by all the little things that were in there, and um, some of that stuff I think will change by by uh, you know maybe even a couple of weeks from now if they can get a deal done by then. Right, and that's the whole thing. Right? I mean, that's that's kind of a, a first proposal. This this is a back and forth, a negotiation yeah. that'll take some time, it seems. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think this this kind of stuff always comes down to like a deadline, and I'm sure there'll be some type of deadline, or maybe if it's June first or that first week of June, some mm-hmm. point there. I think that's when you kind of see the wheels start to turn a little more by, from both sides and kind of come together a little more and say, hey, you know, let's let's get something done here. Let's let's work things out and um, they'll 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 eventually they'll, they'll they'll be able to settle that stuff for sure. That that stuff isn't as important, I think, as more as, you know, obviously you hear the, the stuff about the, the pay, the players pay and all that. I think that's the more paramount issue right now. And I think, um, you know, that that that's stuff that still needs to be worked out. But. Um, again, the deadline, I think, will kind of force the issue on all that type of stuff. This whole thing kind of came at a crummy time for the A's. I mean, in, in 2020, you kind of got the feeling, right, being in spring training that, you know, even coming off of back-to-back 97-win seasons, this, this club kind of seemed primed for more, right? I mean, poised for a, a big 2020. What, did you get that feeling hanging around these guys? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, since since I had been here, this was probably the most uh, anticipated, I think, season for for the players um, in the clubhouse. I mean, this team truly, I think, believed that they can win a World Series this year, and um, you know why not? I mean, after winning ninety seven games back to back and having your top three prospects, you know, set to join the team uh, for a full season, I mean, you. The sky's the limit there. I mean, the offense is great. The pitching staff with Lizardo and Puck in there, and you've got Frankie Montas over a full season, Manaya over a full season. You expect, you know, big things. And um, I think, you know, it, it came at a bad time for them. But, um, you know, a lot of these guys are staying ready. And I think they're, if there's a, a you know, 82-game season, I think they're going to come out, you know, pretty excited to kind of prove themselves. You know, it's a young team. So, you know, they they still, you know, are kind of hungry to – to show the rest of the baseball league that, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're better than the last uh, first round exits in the, mm-hmm. in the postseason. They want to get past that and, you know, whatever it takes, you know, if it's a different format or whatever, I think they're, they're ready to, to move on past that. The lineup is, I mean, you know, one to nine with the exception of second base, which we'll get into in a second uh, is pretty much set. I mean, you've got kind of a platoon uh, in left, probably at second base as well. I thought Tony Kemp was a great pickup. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of a Billy Bean type of pickup, right? Kind of a bounce back candidate that, that's had a big role on a winning club before the A's needed a left-handed bat. Uh, but maybe the most underrated, you know, addition, light, to your point, is, is in the starting rotation where it's kind of a, a remade, so to speak, with, new, with top prospects coming up. A full year of Frankie Montas will be huge. I thought Frankie Montas was primed for an all-star selection. Uh, at the time he got suspended, I think he was nine and two. Uh, but I don't—I can't remember in recent memory, uh, you know, an, an A's rotation that was this deep. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Frank, Montas. I, it was, you know, I think the day before the suspension, he went out and shut out the the Rays. And I remember we were all talking on post game that night about you know potentially being in the All Star game, and um, you know he was definitely going to be an All Star, I think. And mm-hmm. this was the first spring in a while that you know the A's entered. 
uh, camp without having a piece together rotation. I mean, the, the last couple of years, for sure, they were signing guys off the street and, and trying to just audition guys for, for the, you know, third, fourth, fifth spots. And they entered this spring with, you know, too many arms in, in, in that rotation. And they were possibly going to have to move guys like Chris Bassett and Daniel Mangan to the bullpen. So, I mean, it shows the depth that they had for sure that they've built up. And I mean, they've got even more guys in the minors who are coming off injuries who are now back guys like Dalton Jeffries, mm -hmm. um, James Caprillion, uh, Grant Holmes. So, I mean, they're, it's, it's a lot different uh, landscape in the, in the pitching in the, in the organization than, than it's been in the last few years because guys were injured and you didn't really know when they were going to come back. And it seems like all these guys are all healthy now at once, which is, which is nice to see because this was kind of all what Billy Bean and David Forrest had in, had in mind when they made all those trades, when they traded away guys who, you know, you know, didn't guys, other fans didn't want to see traded. Um, you know, they, they kind of had this goal in mind that, you know, at some point these guys are going to be ready to contribute. And it seems like they're all either at the major league level or, or pushing on the, on the door of a call. Where do you think the second base battle was headed at the time of the shutdown? I think Tony Kemp and Franklin Barreto were definitely the front runners. I think um, the season were to start at that point, it was probably going to be a platoon there between those two. Um, being my own machine was was looking like a like a good candidate to get that that 26 man mm -hmm. spot as a, as a utility guy so now if i mean if if you have the expanded rosters i mean that's good news for guys like mateo and all that I mean, you can you can kind of carry more guys and, and utilize strategize a little bit more at that position um i think tony kemp would still at least at the beginning um get the opportunity to get the bulk of playing time there and you know being being a left-handed bat, you'd, you'd probably get the majority of you know starts, given that the, the especially the AL West is is so right-handed heavy. I mean, you'd probably see him play there a lot more. But um, you know, Franklin Bredo was having a great spring, and I mean, it's now or never. You know, for him, I think I wrote about that early on in the spring. It's kind of you know his last chance here with the A's to to stick for for the long term. I mean, if yeah. if he didn't make it this year, it was probably going to be his last chance here. He'd probably have to go somewhere else and, and try to, you know, stick. But um, those two guys, I think, were, were certainly the candidates to, um, to start off the year as, as the, main, the main option there, kind of a platoon, semi-platoon at least. Well, you brought the point on Barreto, and, and you wrote on it, like you said earlier in the spring. We've seen flashes from him, right, of being a, a quality second baseman and a quality hitter. It just seems like and seemed like that was the theme all spring and, and in the couple of years that he had come up. And I guess part of that, right, is the fact that he's never really had the chance to, to go out for a month and play every day at the big league level and see if he can sink or swim. Yeah, for sure. I mean, everyone, literally everyone I talked to in the minor league system, I mean, has raved about him, especially at AAA, um, about, you know, if he, you know, just puts it together in the majors, I mean, this guy, you put him in the middle of the lineup, he can be a force just like, you know, Chapman and Olsen and, and all the other guys in the middle of that lineup, but just make it even more dangerous. I mean, he can, he's, he's got pop, he can hit for home runs. He can, you know, he's definitely fast. We've seen the speed, you know, he's, 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 uh, you know, can play multiple positions as well if you, if you need him to. So, I mean, he's, you can kind of do it all. It's just getting the regular number of at bats. You know, I think last year he, he made the major league roster out of, out of spring training and then he got sent down on opening day. And, you know, that kind of would demoralize anybody. I think he yeah. got, it kind of led to a slow start for him at, in the minors and people were, I think we're kind of seeing that and seeing, you know, what's wrong with him. but he turned it around that second half and, you know, got called up eventually for a little bit and actually made the wildcard roster and 
I think, um, you know, he was going to, regardless, I, this year, this season, I think the A's would have to just see what they have in them and then throw them out there more, more than they ever have before just to kind of give them that chance to at least get comfortable. I think that's one thing that Bob Melvin always says, has said about him over the last couple of years, just, you know, he hasn't really had the chance to get regular yeah. number of at-bats. It'd be like a week, maybe a week, or get some, some regular starts and then, you know, some other guy gets hot or something and, and he kind of just has to take a seat on the bench for a while and only get pinch hit opportunities. So I think for him, it's all just getting comfortable at the major league level because he's always, even in the minors, he's kind of gotten off to slow starts. And mm-hmm. once, it, once he gets settled in, he then he gets to really show what he can do. So I think that's all it really what it, what it would take for him to uh, kind of show what he can do in the majors. When it comes to Jorge Mateo, do you think this whole thing maybe for the A's is a blessing in disguise? Because it looked like they were heading for kind of an impasse uh, at the end of spring training, if there were no, if there was no interruption, where because both Franklin Mateo and Hor, or pardon me, both Barreto and Mateo are out of options, right? And you have Vimeo Machine, who's also in that mix, who if he doesn't make the big league club, is sent back uh, to was it Philadelphia or Chicago? Yeah, I think uh, Chicago originally. It was, so it was Chicago. But do you think this whole thing is maybe a blessing in disguise when it comes to making that decision? Because if we do see baseball this year, Martin, it sounds like there will be expanded rosters. So you would think there would be room for Jorge Mateo. If spring training kept going on, it seemed like the A's were going to have to make a decision on whichever one of those guys they weren't going to hold on to, whether to trade them and get something for them or just release them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, definitely for a guy like Mateo, I mean, he's the guy who benefits here the most. I mean, he, he was looking, it was, it was going to be down to him and machine. It seemed like for that 26 man spot and mm-hmm. this, this new new format would you know obviously give him the chance to stick on and, and contribute. Yeah. I mean, he would be a great, at the very least, I mean, you'd love to have a guy like that available for late game situations put on the bases and, and steal you a base. I mean, he's one of the fastest guys in, in all of baseball. So, I mean, a guy like that is always valuable to have. And, I mean, he had, a, he had a really good year in Vegas last year. And, I mean, it's tough to kind of judge, you know, the offensive performances out there because that stadium is pretty nuts. Um, yeah. But he definitely seemed to turn a corner um, in terms of offense. He was seemed to be a little bit more more disciplined at the plate um, than he was in, in previous years. Still an aspect that he needs to work on, but it seemed like he was, you know, improving um, at the plate um, in, in that category. And, um, you know, if – if this gives them at least a chance to, to get a look at them, I mean, it, it would be all well for the A's because it was getting to a point where you were you were starting to worry that maybe he wasn't even going to get a shot in the majors with the A's. And, you know, you wouldn't want to see him go somewhere else and, and flourish. And then you kind of get stuck with, you know, that feeling of, oh, you know, this could have been, you know, him with the A's and he just never got that shot. How about backup catcher? Both Jonah Heim and, and Austin Allen – uh, fared pretty well in spring training. I know Heim was over 350 for a good portion of the spring. I saw Austin Allen hit a mammoth home run to right field. I think it was against the Mariners. And also, uh, you can just tell he knows how to handle the bat. It seems like he's a little bit closer to the majors. This one's a little less, you know, uh, I guess, urgent be- because both those guys still have options. But where did you see the A's going in that regard? Yeah, that was a tough one. That, that was – you know, we went into spring training thinking second base was going to be the big competition, but I mean, the backup catcher one was heating up pretty well. I mean, Jonah Heim, I think, surprised everybody with his hitting ability. Um, he was, I think, largely known as a more of a defensive catcher. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he played in the Dominican League last year and he really flourished there. And that really helped him uh, at the plate in spring. I mean, he was looking really good at the plate as well. 
And Austin Allen was starting to turn it on there at the end before the season stopped. He was starting to seem like he was getting comfortable at the plate as well. Um, so I, I, that was kind of at a stalemate. I mean, that was really a toss up there. Either either or could have could have made it at that at that point in, in the stoppage. So um, that'll be interesting to see how they handle that now. If if they can carry more players, obviously they can have they'll have three catchers for sure. But um, you know, I think Austin Allen probably would have been given the edge just because you know he was that guy coming over in the Profar trade, and yeah. and you kind of. You know, it would be, you know, it would make sense, you know, to put Perrin with Murphy and then you can have kind of that platoon there. Um, but um, Jonah Heim certainly, I think, opened a lot of eyes in, in camp and, and he wouldn't, they would have had no problems if, if he was the guy um, starting out, you know, as a backup catcher to Murphy. Uh, they built up some pretty good depth at the cap. I mean, I think Sean Murphy is a future all-star. Those two guys, both kind of with different skill sets, Billy Bean's done a pretty nice job of building depth at a position where you need it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, even even below those guys, I mean, they drafted uh, this guy out of, out of the minors as well. Um, I think is it McCann, um, Kyle McCann. Yeah, we're hoping yeah, to see him in yeah. Stockton maybe when when play resumes. Yeah, yeah, no, I've I've heard really good things about that guy too. So um, there's they've got catching depth up and down the organization, which is mm-hmm. which, I mean, you could always use, and then especially with Murphy, you know, kind of easing him back in from that injury. Um, you can never have you know too much too much depth there. It's the perfect time to purchase a new car today at Chase Chevrolet. Take advantage now of model year-end inventory reduction prices and supplier pricing on select 2019 vehicles. You can always count on Chase Chevrolet for the best prices, best service, and easiest car buying experience. And now, back to our episode. So you have been writing during this this layoff, and I've, I, I got the chance to, to read you know just about all your pieces since we've uh, since since this whole break, but. Obviously, one that, that really stood out to me and will stand out to everyone listening to this podcast is the, the story you did on Dallas Braden on the 10-year anniversary of his perfect game, uh, which happened to be on Mother's Day back in, in 2010. And you dove quite a bit into his Stockton roots. And, man, you really just get a feel for how much pride for the city of Stockton that guy has. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, he, him and Stockton, I mean, they're – they're inseparable, you know, and uh, that story was special for me just because, you know, I grew up actually in San Jose, but I actually went to high school up in Tracy for a little bit in Central Valley. And uh, I know Stockton very well. I know Stag High School very well. We played baseball against them. Um, so once, uh, uh, you know, we saw Dallas get up to the majors, that was really kind of a pride thing for us being, you know, the 209 kids, seeing a 209, fellow 209er in there, that was cool. And, uh, you know, just talking to him, you know, about for that story. I mean, you can, the the love he has for that city is 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 you know something you don't see often about a you know any regular person in their hometown. I mean, when he was describing, you know, the stuff he went up, came up through, um, you know, with his mother passing and all that, and and his grandmother keeping him in check from all the bad stuff in Stockton. I mean, there's, I mean, there's, you know, it's easy to to fall into some bad things there, and then he stayed on the right path and. Uh, I mean, he's obviously become a hero, especially for Ace fans. And I mean, Oakland loves him, Stockton loves him. And I think it's perfect now that he's back here in Oakland doing the, the broadcasting gig because he can be close to uh, both cities and, and showing his face around. And I mean, you look at, you know, all-time popular players in, in Oakland history. I mean, Dallas is up there. You know, he might not yeah. have the credentials of it, but I mean, the short time that he had, uh, up with the big league club, he certainly made an impact that's you know still felt to this day. And I mean, 
even with the perfect game, obviously that made him, you know, the star around these parts. But even if he hadn't done that, I mean, the just the the passion that he showed on the mound um, was something, you know, of that underdog mentality that, you know, A's fans certainly know a lot about. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it kind of embodies uh, A's fans, certainly. I mean, I know that from experience. Uh, the city of Oakland, certainly. And, and it sounds like, uh, reading your story and just my experiences in Stockton, that embodies the city of Stockton as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's an underdog city. I mean, they, they've, they, they were hit through, a, you know, the economic recession hit them probably worse than, than most other cities around the country. So, um, you know, it's kind of, you know, they've been trying to bounce back and, you know, Dallas is kind of the same thing, you know, he, he was dealt, dealt a, a tough hand, but, uh, you know, he fought back and, I mean, the story, there's just, even in the minor, I mean, get from getting drafted to, you know, in the 20, 20 something round and, and going through injuries in the, in the minors and still, he made it up pretty quickly. I think four years, three years, four years, something like that. And uh, that's just crazy. Just given that all that he had to deal with. And, um, you know, it's cool that the, the ports have him back every once in a while for those bobbleheads and all that, because, yeah. I mean, he told me, I mean, that, that day I interviewed him, he told me, you know, the, just pick, putting on that Stockton ports uniform for the first time, that was greatest moment in his career more than the perfect game just wearing that Stockton across his chest was the proudest moment of his career and I mean that that tells you all you need to know about the the relationship he has with that city for sure I was gonna say that's what stood out the most to me especially since taking this job with with you know since since starting with the ports that's what stood out the most to me about that story was the fact that his proudest moment in his baseball career and he I think he wrote the date down it was April 30th 2005 which was his debut in the Cal League with the Stockton Ports. I mean, this is a guy who is in, you know, uh, an elite class of pitchers all time. It's thrown a perfect game in the major leagues. And the proudest moment of his, like you said, the proudest moment of his baseball career was putting on a Stockton Ports uniform. What, what else, what other kind of feeling did you get from him about his time with the Ports? Um, I think, I think he just was so grateful that, everything worked out the way it did. I mean, it, he could have been drafted by any other team and, you know, maybe the story isn't as, as special, but I mean, mm -hmm. he gets drafted by the team who has a minor league team in his own hometown. Yeah. And it just works out that he, that he gets to, to start there. And I think in the team's first, first season there. So, I mean, it, it was, it was perfect and uh, for him to, to go through that. And I think he certainly doesn't take it for granted that he had that opportunity to do it. And, you know, he still, I think, owns a home out there in Stockton, so he still is out there a lot. And um, he's a guy who, obviously, the, the community loves him um, out there for for what he's what he's done for them and uh, what he, he's kind of, you know, put them on the map. Um, you know, every time someone hears stock the word Stockton, I mean, you think of Dallas Braden for sure. And yeah. The 209, the 209 section that they had in the Oakland Coliseum back when he was pitching the signs and all that. He uh, carried carried a piece. Stockton with them and carries it with them um, everywhere he goes for sure. I didn't connect the dots there that 2005 was also the first season of Banner Island Ballpark and the first season the A's were in single A so you mentioned the timing was and one thing I forgot about that perfect game Martin that I that I remembered reading your story was the fact that two weeks earlier uh, he had made headlines yelling at A-Rod about running over running over his mound, uh, <laughs> which I thought was funny. And then A-Rod comes out in the press. I, I remember this after reading the story and said something like, oh, how many big league wins does Dallas Brayton have? Two weeks later, he's throwing a perfect game. I thought it was great. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you look at, uh, you know, the, the, the type of mentality Dallas carried and no doubt that interaction with A-Rod fueled him. I mean, it gave yeah. him motivation 
And uh, you're not you wouldn't you're not surprised that something like that happened two weeks after with him because he does, I guarantee you he was thinking about that you know uh, maybe not exactly after that moment but shortly after you know I you know A Rod probably knows who I am now and uh, I mean <laughs> <laughs> that 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 was I mean that 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 interaction between a, Dallas and and A Rod kind of symbolized the whole you know the two separate mentalities there with the A's and the Yankees I mean you think of the Yankees this you know. Yeah. This uh, popular team that that uh, you know thinks of themselves as you know the, the greatest thing, and and the A's kind of over overlooked, and um, that that was that was kind of symbolic there. I thought that's a great point. What another story that you wrote, and, and it's been kind of a recurring theme here: the best A all time at each position. So I want to ask you this one: what, what was the easiest call on that list for you? Um, let's see. If I went back. Let's you know what? Um, I would have to say Ricky Henderson, without a doubt. Um, yeah. And there were, there were some pretty good center fielders, but Ricky Henderson for sure uh, takes that one there. I mean, he's the greatest, not only the greatest Oakland A of all time, the greatest athletic of all time, probably one of the, one of the top, I mean, I don't know, whatever you want to put him, top five, top ten baseball players to ever play the game. So um, that one I thought was pretty easy. How about the toughest call? Uh, there's been a lot of those. I think third base had a lot of tough guys. I mean, you want, I wanted to, you know, get Matt Chapman in there, but it was, it was, I got him in there, but it was tough. I mean, you had guys like Sal Bando, um, mm -hmm. Eric Chavez, um, home run Baker, um, Carney Lansford. Um, I still have, I still have tweets, you know, to this day of, of, you know, more guys who I didn't put in, wasn't able to get in there or, you know, this guy deserves some love. So um, third base is stacked. I mean, that's probably one of the probably the more stacked positions the A's have ever had. They've had a rich tradition of of uh, spots there. Um, I know there was another one um, probably recently. I think the outfield has always been tough. I mean, you look at right field and, and left field. You know, there's I mean, tons of outfielders who you kind of forget about um, because they've had so many over the years. Not just you know, you look at the 80s and 70s, and then you go all the way back to the Philadelphia. That's that's a tough part is, is you, you encapsulate, you know, the entire organization. You've got to go back to the Philly Philly guys who I think get overlooked probably a little bit too much um, mm -hmm. because it was so long ago. But, I mean, there was I – mean, those teams were dynasties in the early 1900s and the 30s. So, um, there's plenty to choose from at each position. And uh, I think uh, we're moving on to pitchers now, so that's not going to get any easier. There's a lot of great pitching has come through this organization so I mean it's been fun it's been fun to go back and kind of just get a appreciation a little more for those legends that you kind of you hear the names and you see some of the highlights maybe of the big moments but you never really truly get a chance to really deep do a deep dive into all of them and that's this whole quarantine has kind of given me a chance to go back and and uh take a look at all these guys who you know I hear about and just kind of see you know just how good they really were you know how is it that you're going to go about the pitchers? Are you going to go starting pitchers, relief pitchers, or left-handed pitchers, right-handed? How are you going to do that? So it's going to, I think it's going to go right-handed starters, left-handed starters, and then I think move on to relievers like that. So, um, you know, it'll make it a little bit, a little bit easier, but, but I mean, there's been so many, I think right-handed will be first and that one's already tough trying to, trying to find the top name because there's so many guys you can put in that top spot. So we'll see. People forget Jimmy Fox was, I mean, he's a legend. And he was, yeah. he spent most of his career with the A's to your point about the Philadelphia A's. Yeah. I, I mean, shoot, all those guys, Lefty Grove. I mean, all, all these Grove, guys, yeah. all these guys, um, you don't really realize. I mean, you think of back then guys like Babe Ruth and all that, but I mean, Jimmy Fox is, 
one of the all, literally one of the all-time greats. I mean, his 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 numbers that he was putting up. That whole team in the thirty, the 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 Philadelphia A's, that that whole lineup was was nuts. The million-dollar infield and all that. I mean, it was uh, it would have been fun to watch them for sure. It would be interesting. It's always fun to kind of think about those teams and you know how they would stack up with the teams of of today and uh, kind of. Um, you know, get the get the perspective of, of people back then and what they were witnessing and kind of comparing it to, you know, the players of today and, and see how they would how they would do. Another list you had was the, the top international signings of all time. And I wanted to touch on this because we kind of have a, a little peek at the future here for Stockton Ports fans. And the top five all-time international uh, signings, Martin, that the A's have had, I noticed that you put uh, their most recent one, number four, Robert Poisson, uh, the shortstop, I mean, I've talked to, you know, I've talked to Melissa Lockhart about this guy, you know, a few other folks, Rick Magnante. Um, what is it about this guy? I mean, he's, he's ahead of, a, of, of an established big leaguer on your list, Tony Bautista. Mm-hmm. Who went over two, I think he had over 200 yeah. home runs in the major leagues. Uh, but what have you heard about this guy that, that hints at, at possibly that, that type of career? Well, I think uh, just the whole, to me, the whole process he went through, when he first got signed kind of speaks volumes about the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he got signed immediate and immediately flew out to Arizona and started training and he started training and he started going to, I think he enrolled at Arizona to take some classes at Arizona state um, to, to learn English. So, I mean, he's serious about this whole thing. I mean, he, most guys get signed, you know, they get that nice signing bonus and they're going to stay in their, their hometown and, and kind of celebrate, you know, as they should with their family and all that. Um, he came straight to Arizona and went and went straight to work. And um, I, I talked I talked to uh, to him and, and and his agent recently for for a story that I was working on before this whole thing hit that that hopefully I can you know get going again soon once you know the baseball season resumes and all that. Um, he carries around a list of of people who helped him on his journey to to this point, and he oh. and it also has the names of of people who turned him down. And so he's, he's, uh, he's for a young kid, he's got that mindset already of, you know, I'm going to make it the people that, who have helped me, you know, I'm going to, you know, thank them, but the people who didn't help me, I'm also going to remind them that, Hey, you know, you don't want to help me at this point. So, um, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's determined to make it. And, uh, he's, he's got a, a mindset that's rare for a, for a teenager like that. And, um, I mean, the, the, the tools are all there. I mean, from, from the scouts I talk to, I mean, He's gotten comparisons to Tony Fernandez, who's who's you know a great great shortstop, um, and and they think he'll stick at shortstop. And he's you know got a great arm, um, he can hit, he's long, he's got speed, and I mean I'm sure the, he's a he's a big kid, uh, you know height wise. So I'm sure he's going to fill out as the years go on, maybe even hits for power too. So yeah. um, I think the sky's the limit for him, and there's certainly big expectations for him. He's already creeping up the uh, prospect list once. What's Luzardo, Puck, and Murphy are no longer officially considered prospects. He's going to move up there as possibly the number one guy. So um, if if he performs well in the minors, he's definitely going to be one of those guys who could be fast tracked, and you see him in, in the majors, you know, sooner than than other guys that, that you've seen before. It's amazing how the A's system has just, I mean, an abundance of shortstops, an abundance of up the middle athletes. He, Logan Davidson, who they took in the first round last year. I know people have talked to me about how Jeremy Ironman has the potential to be, you know, a guy in the big leagues. Nick Allen is another one, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's yeah. amazing. Wouldn't be surprised to see them see, take another shortstop in this year's draft. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's still a, a position for sure. 
right <laughs> that um you know they've got they've got in talented infielders but um I mean, they, they, you can never, I mean, even those guys that, that they get, if they, if these guys never make the majors, I mean, these are guys, especially the, the international signings that have been crucial to uh, flipping to other teams and big deals in recent memory. So yeah. I mean, you can never, you can never have too much, too much of those guys in your system. Without a doubt. Well, Martin, thanks so much for taking some time, man. A little bit of a return to normalcy uh, <laughs> to talk some <laughs> baseball with you. It's been great uh, before hopefully we get games soon. Uh, real quick, where, where can the, if the, if the people aren't following you already and, and following your work, where can they find it and how can they follow you on social media? Yeah. So uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Martin J Gallegos and uh, all my stuff. You can see it on athletics.com or MLB.com. Um, we're, like you said, we're trying to post, we're trying to, you know, Get, bring content on a regular basis every week mm-hmm. with the all-time teams and all that so there's always stuff coming out and uh you know hopefully hopefully it helps alleviate some of those uh some of those baseball you know uh those just give you that baseball fix that everyone wants you know well this has certainly helped do the trick for me martin thanks so much again man i hope to see you at a, at a ballpark sometime soon if you're ever in stockton at banner island ballpark uh please come by the press box and say hi yeah, for sure. You know, that's actually one of the first, uh, I think I might have been the first minor league ballpark I ever went to, and I love that place. So, you know, I hope to get out there soon, for sure. Check out some of that young age talent. Yeah, without a doubt. And let me know when you do, man, please. Yeah, definitely will. <laughs> All right, Martin, thanks so much. Be well, man. All right, Alex. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Portside Pod. If there are topics or interview subjects you'd like to hear on future episodes, tweet at me at ajensen86. The Portside Pod is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms, as well as at our home, anchor.fm slash Stockton ports. You can also visit the Ports website at stocktonports.com and follow the Ports on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Alex Jensen. Please stay safe, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Portside Pod.